This is, of course, your host, Sean Johnson. And, you know, I tell you guys, um, I thank you to all of you who are listening. I just have to put that out there. Uh, so far, the listening uh, audience, I, you know, when I first started this, I had no idea how many people would actually listen, if anybody, you know. I, I just was something that I got challenged by some friends and... I knew that I, you know, I used to, for those just a little inside baseball here, I used to run a pastor at church for about 15 years, and uh, I miss it a lot. Some things happened towards the end of the church's life. Basically, I, I always believed and knew and grew to, to, to understand that if your church is not growing, and when I say growing, I don't necessarily mean by numbers, but if you're not actively being a part of the community and changing things and people aren't getting saved and you know, lives aren't being changed, you might as well go and just close up the church and go to a church that is doing those things. And I had to one day just make a really uh, difficult decision uh, and face my own self because I was the pastor. I was the one who was in charge. Uh, but I just had seen just a decline in just the attendance and just the participation and the excitement. You know, you ought to be able to, you got to be excited to go to the church. I used to talk about how Sundays ought to be like the dessert to your weekly meal, so so to speak, your spiritual meal. It's not, it shouldn't be ever be the main course. It should be the exciting part. Every kid can't wait for dessert. That's how we ought to be, you know, when we are studying and worshiping the Bible and we're praising God during the week. You know, that's where we get the meat and potatoes, the really, you know, her sturdy stuff. But when we go to church, that ought to be the time that we get to celebrate and have fun and then just enjoy worshiping God with our fellow brothers and sisters. Well, uh, just the excitement just started just to, to go away. And so I was like, man, I, I just don't know how much longer this is going to last. And it just basically got to the point where just me and a few families where we used to have 40, 50 people show up. And there's a lot of reasons, you know, and, and I and I. I guess maybe one of these days I can just do a real heart-to-heart podcast about my experiences as a pastor, but that's not really what I'll talk about today. But the bottom line is just got to the point where I had to just go in front of the pulpit and be like, guys, I'm sorry. We had a really good run. We've done a lot of great things. We've ministered in the community. We've had some incredible vacation Bible schools. We've reached a lot of uh, you know children's lives and ministered to a fan, those children's families. We've done a lot of, you know, we used to do a lot of drama ministry, you know, and what they call human videos where you basically put actions to uh, songs and, you know, they're really powerful and good ministry. We've done a lot of really good things, but I think it's just time for us to close the doors. And of course there was the emotional response, but everyone knew, you know, that it was just, they, they agreed. It was just, it was time. So fast forward three years later, I have, I used to preach a message every single Sunday and I just stopped preaching, you know, because I didn't have any place to preach anymore. I could, I guess I could, I still I had access to the building. I guess I can go and preach to nobody. <laughs> but, you know, what does, good does that do? And so, you know, there's, there's also a lot of healing that I had to do in my own heart before I could really ever get to that point again anyway. Because I really, as much as I'd like to admit that I didn't take it personally, I, of course, took it personally. You know, and what, what, what pastor wouldn't when you are responsible you know, for a group of people and, you know, in my mind to help them get closer to the Lord and then it just falls apart. So I just kind of, kind of put the whole preaching thing on, on hold for a while. Then one day, well, I, you guys have of course heard Matt, Matt quick, you know, we've had some really fun podcasts with him and episodes rather. And, uh, you know, he has been encouraging me for like the last year or more 
about making a podcast. Dude, Sean, you got to make a podcast. We even just you and me, if you want some help, you, we have good conversations. You know, how awesome it would it be just to put some of those, those conversations on record? And I just kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. I mean, a lot of things that was, you know, my mind, you know, I just, I didn't want to commit to something that I wasn't sure that I was entirely hundred percent behind, you know, and, and, you know, my dad does a radio broadcast for his ministry and, you know, I see how much it takes out of him and, and, and the time that he has to put into it. You know, he has a daily broadcast, daily half an hour broadcast, and he's always looking for new material and new things to talk about. And I just was like, man, I just don't know that I could commit to that, you know, especially with trying to still work and feed my family and, uh, you know, all the other things. I still want to be a dad, right? And, you know, I still want to be a husband. <laughs> so I kind of put on the side. And then all of a sudden we were, uh, it was around 4th of July and this year, 2019, and we'd like to go camping, as you guys have heard, you know, with my Canada uh, podcast that episode. And we were just camping here locally, so we invited all of our friends over, a couple of couple other couples. And it just kind of just got brought up. It's amazing the conversations I can have just around a campsite, right? It's around a campfire. And they're like, Sean, because I was mentioning how I missed preaching, right? And how I missed pastoring, but I don't know that I really want to pastor a church again or be in management of a church. Uh, I just, but I love preaching. I love one-on-one counseling. I love one-on-one teaching and talking and just being with people. But at the same time, there's a whole, anybody who ever says they want to go start a church, I, I pray for you, brother, sister, because that's not easy to do. Uh, it's in fact, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life was pastor and, and run a church. So, but that doesn't mean that you, the, the desire to minister goes away. And in fact, in some ways, it probably made it even stronger. Like the absence of the heart grows with the heart stronger, right? So it got brought up. Well, Sean, you don't necessarily have to have a church to preach, you know, especially into 2019. There's all sorts of avenues that you can still preach. Like what happens if you were to ever do just a podcast? And of course, Matt was in the room, right? Matt was in the Catholic campfire and he goes, I, I knew exactly. I could look at him and he's like, mm-hmm. I told I could just I, I he didn't have to say I told you so and my wife as well she's been you know thinking that would be a really good thing but again I just kept pushing it pushing it back pushing it back this you know I don't know there's a lot of reasons it was just, maybe it's the right timing you know whatever well as we got to talking the more excited I got about it and so I'm like just do it I'm just gonna commit we're gonna do it. And so I made that first podcast, and if you, if you, that first episode, Matt, you're gonna, Matt, you're listening. You're probably gonna be like, episode. I'll eventually get it. But if you listen to that first episode, I'm, you can tell I'm a little nervous. I'm not real firm on my talking. I have a lot of hymns and hums and ahs. But it was still from the heart, and it was still teaching and preaching. And I believe one of the things that that topic, you know, was is still near and dear to me about love covers a multitude of sins. Like that's the whole purpose behind this podcast, this whole series, and every single episode is to restore humanity, to restore love, to be the salt of the earth, the preservative, the light of the world that we're supposed to be. And, and I, you know, I, I, it's okay. If there's a hundred thousand other preachers saying the same thing, if I'm the only one, that doesn't mean that it's any less important. I just, to whoever's going to listen to this, but to this, to these about podcasts, I pray that it's a blessing to you. And I, like I said, so far, I got to tell you, I've just been really pleased. I look at the numbers and ravaging like, uh, like just like like I think the highest one is like almost eighty by the time I'm recording this about eighty listens and that's in one week, 
And I'm like, man, that's definitely far exceeded expectations. So those of you guys who are out there, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you go and subscribe. I'd really, really appreciate it. Subscribe to your local or to your local, to your favorite uh, podcast app, whether it be Stitcher or Overcast or Spotify. And a lot of people like Spotify. It's really easy for streaming. Uh, iTunes, Google. I mean, literally, we're everywhere. Or you can just go to thisislifepod.com and just listen straight off the website. Uh, also, while you're there, please, if you don't mind, go ahead and fill out uh, the, the review, you know, in the, the reviews. You know, if you want to push a five-star, I ain't going to tell you that stop to not do that. I'd be more than happy to have a couple five-star reviews. But just I want an honest review, you know. Uh, if, if, if Maybe you want to give some feedback to the show, put that on there. I read them. Uh, but, again, every single one of those clicks help me. They don't cost a thing. They just help put the show more in people's hearts and right in front of them and gives them opportunity to listen and also share the podcast. If you have friends who you think would be blessed by this or who need to hear some of the things that are being discussed here on the, on, on the show, then, then hand them on over and pass them out and, and, and just really you know share them on Facebook. Do whatever. I really, really appreciate it. Now, today I want to talk about you know that they are my disciples by how, okay? It's very important that we, if we're going to be consider ourselves Christians, right? If we're going to consider ourselves to be disciples of Jesus, we ought to know what it, what that actually means. How, how can we know that we are fulfilling the Great Commission? How can we know that we are actually doing what Christ asked of us? So I want to go to uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Now, this is, just to give you some understanding, this is right after the Last Supper, okay? And this is the dwell during the Last Supper. And Jesus had just recognized that Judas was the one who was going to betray him. And Judas left, and it was pretty much known at that point that Jesus' time was very short on the earth. And, you know, he could have been angry, you know, these kind of things, but he knew, he knew what was in Judas's heart, but he didn't. Uh, he said, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's the new commandment. Now, you're saying, Sean, yeah, that's what you've been talking about for like the last seven, eight episodes. Here's the thing. I talked to Matt about that. I'm like, you know, I kind of get tired of, you know, sometimes I, I can I get tempted to get tired about talking about love all the time but matt's like what else is there again that's what jesus has did i mean there's four gospels of jesus talking and experiencing and teaching and doing love for other people and if people have had two thousand years to get that and they still haven't it's okay to keep talking about and i think it's okay to keep talking about in just different different ways and different avenues and different things that you and I can do because love is um, covers a multitude of sins, right? I mean, as far as east is from the west is the forgiveness because of love. I mean, so love can encompass a whole lot. So therefore, okay, that encourages me. I keep talking about it. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now, I've been around some theological debates in this particular topic. You know the Bible talks about in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Everyone knows the scripture. If you've been in the Sunday school, you've heard the scripture at the very least. John 3, 16, that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe within him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Okay? 
We've talked about this in Sunday school. We teach our children. We teach our children, Jesus loves me, this I know. Okay, so everyone is understanding that Jesus loves me. But you know what the crazy thing is? There are people out there that believe that Jesus only loves. And when I say love, I don't, I'm not talking about love as in, you know, like, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it in a second because there's different skewed view of what the word love means. But as far as the brotherhood kind of love, the love where like a child, like a father or mother to a child, like the intense kind of love, there's certain feel there's certain denominations and people have certain beliefs that that is exclusively for God's elect or just for his people who've given their lives to the Lord. When in scripture it's that that's really not the case. In fact, there's plenty of scriptures that say that his love is for all. And of course, they're like, well, his love, he loves those who he chases. Well, you know what? Who's going to chase him the most? His children. Okay? Not the world. The world has an understanding. They, they wouldn't even know what's, if they're being chastened or not. What's the point of punishing somebody if they don't even know why or who they're being punished for, right? I mean, people say all the time, well, God's going to punish the world. How would they know who's punishing them? If God were to flood the world, they'd blame it on global, global warming or aliens or a meteorite or something, but they're not going to share, especially if they don't know who God is. They're not going to say, well, this is God punishing us. But those of us as believers, we have an understanding of who God chastens, right? Because we know that he's going to obviously correct us from time to time. But it's all done in love. It's not an abusive kind of thing. When I when my daughter gets into trouble, uh, I'm not you know I'm not going to go there and beat her up or hit her or you know make her you know like make her cry just out, just out, just out of spite or out of making fun of her. No, I'm going to put her in timeout. We're going to take toys away. We're going to occasionally maybe have to you know give her a little swat, but we're going to do these things out of love as she always knows regardless of what the punishment is she always knows it's done out of love and respect and wanting to keep her safe wanting to help her grow up to be a good human being right that's the whole purpose of raising children you know i understand that my daughter's on loan to me right i mean she'll always be my baby but there's gonna be one day where she's gonna have to go out of my home and start a family of her own one day and i got a short amount of time to raise her right and to help her to be a good human being so therefore when i do have to correct her you know i got to make sure i'm doing it right and sometimes i mess up sometimes you know i maybe do it out of anger or whatever but i have to like pull back you know rachel and i and my wife take turns if you know we sense that i'm kind of starting to get frustrated my daughter for some reason has a hard time listening while she's in the bathtub we're trying to give her a bath you know and, and sometimes i gotta walk away and be like babe i need you to go and take over she goes right in there finishes up and then i'm able to come back my point is this, is that every single time God would chasten or correct us, he's always going to be out of place of love and an understanding and for a desire for us to get to know him more and better. It's not to just come and destroy us like, like, we're, like we're just peons and like, not, like nothing. And some people really believe that. Some people believe that because the world has sin in it, that it deserves God's immediate like destruction and... I'm not saying that the end times is not going to come. My, my dad is a Bible prophecy minister, and I have heard all of, believe me, I've heard every single possible scenario about how the end times are going to play out. 
I mean, literally when I was growing up and I grew up in the nineties and especially before Y2K, you know, and that, that's all another topic. I mean, I, I just, just in full disclosure, I think there really was something about Y2K. It wasn't just the ministers and prophecy ministers saying something about it. I mean, they made movies about it and they, you know, it definitely was a big deal. But again, that's not the point. The point is this, is that throughout the whole nineties, I was told that this may be my very last fun summer. Try to try to be a 17, 16, 18 year old with that in your head, you know, and that's just kind of how I grew up. I grew up with an understanding that that we are in the end times and that, you know, that 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 that, that Armageddon is upon us, that the four horsemen are going to ride. You know, I, my dad probably wishes I was a little bit more interested in Bible prophecy than what I am. I love the fact that he no one can teach Bible prophecy better. Uh, you know, I shout out to Stan Johnson and the Prophecy Club because no one can teach can teach Bible prophecy, in my opinion, better than my dad. Uh, but I, that's just not my thing. I, I can't teach Bible prophecy, uh, but what I can do is talk about God's love. <laughs> so that's why this, there's this show. The point is this: is that yes, we have to be understanding that God does chasten and that He's going to uh, have to correct us. But honestly, it's still always done in love. And that's not our job to go and correct others. That's kind of where I'm getting to is like, I've, I've always wanted, it's always really boggled my mind when I see YouTube videos or even in person, people with these giant banners on the sides of streets taught just basically, we usually they find like a tourist area or a bar district or a concert or wherever they know there's going to be a lot of people who are just out quote, having a good time, right? Whether maybe they've been maybe drinking or dancing or, you know, whatever, just like the, just what normal world people do, right, on the weekends. They find these places where they know they're going to get the most reaction and they put these giant signs on. I mean, I've even seen some that, you know, like locally, we have the Phelps place. God hates, you know, the derogatory term for homosexuals and, you know, all of these crazy things, just all but just fueled by hate. But even... You have things just telling people you're going to hell because you're an adulterer. You're going to hell because you're a, a, a thief. You're going to hell because, you know, you're homosexual. You're going to hell. Now, here's the thing. that There's precedent for understanding that sin itself will send us to hell. I don't think anybody would disagree, especially if you're a believer, that sin separates us from God. And the ultimate separation from God is an eternity without him, which is hell. However, my Bible tells me that before I can cast out the speck in somebody else's eye, before I tell them about all of their sin and about all the things that they're doing wrong, I have to cast out and get rid of all of my sin. And the Bible is pretty clear that every single day we ought to be crucifying ourselves daily. We ought to be looking at ourselves and making sure that our old flesh and our old desires and our old ways are not creeping back up because it's, 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 it's a constant battle with the flesh, right? But we're sanctified and we're able to be forgiven, so it ought to get easier, especially over time, but we're never until we meet Christ in heaven are going to be completely perfect. And when I say perfect, like I talked about with Benice, that means complete. We're never going to be complete until we meet the Father. But I've always wanted to go to one of those street preachers and hold up a sign that just says, so this, an arrow pointing to them, this guy's perfect. Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek. The guy's not perfect, but 
the precedent in the scripture says before you cast out anybody else's sin, before you're going to use railing and telling them how awful and terrible they are, that you have to cast out your own sin first. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I got enough to do with my own self, let alone going and telling everybody about their own sin. And also you're telling the wrong people. You know, it's like it's like the doctor telling me that I'm overweight. I get that that's his job, but I don't need the doctor to tell me that I'm overweight. If people are living in the world, you know, you don't need to tell them that they're doing things that they like to do. Um, it, it's just it's just really really shocking and it's just really hurtful. And and to me, in my opinion, it's not the the Jesus talked talk actually. There's better ways and more productive ways that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to me, going to the street corner and putting up offensive signs or at the very least signs that are going to, you know, catch somebody's eye or maybe cause a confrontation. That's just lazy. That's literally just lazy. You are wanting to satisfy this weird desire in your own flesh and your own self to get attention. And it's not about you, pal. It's not about you getting attention from everybody on the corner whom you're just trying to get a rise out of. It's about Jesus and others. That's it. God will take care of you. You just worry about taking care of everybody on this earth like God gave us the examples. So like, let me go to another scripture here that, that, that will kind of just put this point even more over. Uh, if you go to Matthew 22, verse 34. But then the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence. They were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, because they're going to try and get Jesus off the, you know, off the beaten path here. Master, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Now, let's go back to that second portion because I think we could definitely have a whole discussion, and we probably will, about what it means to loving our God, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, every part of our being, loving and serving and worshiping God. Believe me, there's a million ways we can do that, and we should do that. You know, if you don't have a prayer closet, if you don't have a time set apart to read your Bible, if you're not worshiping him, if you're not cultivating a relationship with God, you know, you're going to be, you're missing out. I mean, that's all I can say. But just as important as that is the second part, which is honestly is a little bit more difficult because with God, he's easy to love. With God, he's all loving. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all forgiving. Man, we can love God all day long until the cows come home. But then you're asking me to love imperfect people? You're asking me to forgive the unforgivable and love the unlovable? And not only that, but you're putting a mirror in front of me and saying to love my neighbor as myself. And I love myself a lot. That's why I gave my life to God, because I want to sustain it and keep it and and have it be blessed. I, I know God's blessing me, but now I am responsible according to the second commandment, to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. And so this is where it gets a little tricky. I, I recently hear, uh, I think it was just the other day, I'm not sure when this happened, there, there's a comedian who, yes, she's a little, she's a little vulgar. I, I don't think she's a Christian. In fact, I, I, I mean, she hasn't ever said she is. Her name is Silver Sarah Silverman, right? And I haven't really heard, to be honest, much about her other than just what I see. And I think she's like the voice of, of, of a Disney character my daughter likes. That's pretty much it. 
but that's not the point. The point is, there was a pastor here recently that just went on a rant about this 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 comedian, and I want you just to take a listen at just his tone and this. The, this is a pastor who's preaching in front of a group of people, and how he's how he's derogatory talking about this person he doesn't know who must have offended him. I'm not even sure what she did, but apparently she must have just offended him. But he the, just ask yourself as you're listening to this. Does this reflect those two greatest commandments, to love our neighbor as ourselves and to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, and soul? Here, take a listen. You know, these Jewish false prophets, anti-Christian, anti-God, you know, they're, they're willing to put Jesus to death again. You heard this comedian, Sarah Silverman? You guys know what I'm talking about? She brags about it. I do it again. Listen, she is a witch. She is a Jezebel. She is a God-hating whore of Zionism. I hope that God breaks her teeth out and she dies. She is a wicked person, and she is she is like the perfect representation of religious Judaism. She is Satan's scoffer, and she is there to take the world and make them laugh and then kiss Jesus. Try to take away the respect from Jesus. And listen, we have to be on... I hope that God knocks her teeth out and she dies. To me, friends, that's a far cry from when Jesus, who is literally there on the cross after being beaten, bruised, naked, had to carry his cross through the streets. He has the weight of the world on his shoulders, and the, the, literally the, the, they're, play, the, they're, they're gambling with his garments, I mean, spitting on him, doing all sorts of manners of evil, and not only that, he's in terrible pain and suffering. And what does he say? He sh- the, the people who did that, a lot worse to them than Silver Silver Silverman did. She just said some things. Again, probably offensive and may not have been correct. It may not have been, uh, you know, even worth listening to in the first place. But to say that she should get her teeth knocked out and she just die? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was begging the Lord, begging the Lord God to ask for forgiveness to those who put him on the cross. That's the example of love that we should be following. Not cursing death upon those who even offend us, even those who offend God. God is completely capable of taking care of himself. And I'm sure if there's somebody out there who offends God enough to where he has to, quote, take them out, he can do it. It's fine. He can, it's his prerogative. God can do whatever he wants. But for us to incite that in our, in our pulpits, and in our conversations, it's not our job. That's not who we are. That's not what we're called to be. We got to restore humanity back to society. And it's lazy just to sit up there and to use your own offenses and let that be the motivation for your speaking. I see it all the time, though. I mean, this is just not, and just in this case, but in, in, in pulpits across the nation. And again, again, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I guarantee you I did and probably said some things behind my pulpit that were offensive. But you know what? I definitely did my very best not to. And I even told the congregation every single week, I would tell them, guys, if I say something up here that's not spiritually sound, that is not right, if, maybe even if you have a question in the middle of my sermon, if you have a question or maybe I said something wrong, raise your hand. I never felt that it ought to be, that going to church is a spectator sport. It's that we're all family and we're all community and we're all working to, to love God and to grow to grow to towards God together. And so I would always encourage proper feedback. You know, we can't be afraid of being wrong. In fact, 
there were definitely times where people had to come and knock on my office and, you know, and, and say, Sean, hey, what you said today did kind of kind of hurt, you know, and did you mean for that to be towards me? I, of course, was like, no, I mean, most of the time I'd like, no, and we'd talk about it and we'd come to a conclusion. But that was the whole thing is my door was always open to that. And I don't think a lot of congregations have that. Maybe they do. I haven't been in a lot of churches, but, may, you know, from what I have seen, the pastor's word is the end-all, be-all. And if you disagree with the pastor, then it's time to go find another church. And we can't be like that. None of us have all the answers. We have the answer in us, but we got to keep on looking and searching and seeking God out. That's the only way that we're actually going to fulfill the two greatest commandments is that we understand that God is the one who's inside of us. He's the one living in us. He's the one that's working through us. And he's the one that's going to give us the ability to love even those whom it's painful sometimes to hurt. And when I say painful, I mean, there's probably people in your own life where you may even feel some literal pain to have love towards because of, you know, maybe they really have offended you. Maybe they did something horrible to you or to your family, or maybe you just don't like them. So, But they're still worthy of love. Jesus still says they're worthy of love. And again, going back to the, other, to the opening scripture that I talked about, that he, that's how he, they will know that we are his disciples is if we have love for one another. Now that brings me to my next point. I, I know that there's been a lot of um, controversy about the motto that America has in God we trust, right? And I think I even recently here read that the schools in Louisiana is going to be putting it in every single public school. Let me just pull up this, uh, this, this article here. And God we trust motto to appear in every Louisiana public school this fall. This is uh, West Monroe, Louisiana. The words in God we trust will be displayed in every Louisiana public school starting this fall, according to a report from, well, this is a TV station. Louisiana Senate Bill 244 was signed into law by Governor John Bill Edwards in May 2018. The bill requires every school to display the national motto and educate students on its history when the 2019-2020 school year begins. I still feel strongly that America is a Christian nation, said Shelby Ainsworth, principal of West Monroe High School. I want our high school youngsters exposed to as much of that as possible. We'll come back to that in a second. Each school can choose how they want to display the national motto, but there's a minimum requirement of at least a paper sign. At West Monroe High School, dozens of posters can be seen along the walls in each building. Principal Ainsworth says he, is, he, he supports Edwards' decision, but is aware he might have some students or parents that would disagree. There are varied opinions even amongst high school students, their parents, the communities, the different churches that are represented, different faiths that we have. That Ainsworth is nothing hidden, it's nothing swept under the rug, but it's nothing forced upon anyone. And this is the going back to school in the middle of August. Okay, here's the thing, guys. I, I, I get it. I, I understand that it would be nice if there was a recognition of God in our high schools. However, it seems to me that is we're putting too much emphasis on mottos and t-shirts and bumper stickers. You know, you ever seen one of those people that their, their car is literally, you don't even know what color it is because there's all of these bumper stickers, right? And it's, they can either be all about Christian or atheism or veganism or whatever, but they want to let you know that they really are passionate about whatever their bumper stickers are. The, the, the motto in God we trust wasn't even 
it wasn't even a part of our daily lives until I think it was like the 40s or 50s. I mean, and then when it became our national motto, it got put on the money. It's kind of now, you know, the, the thing to say is in God we trust, which I, believe me, I'm all about. I think that we would be better off trusting in God as a nation. I get that. I'm not so much opposed to even having this motto in the school. I, I think that's fine if they want to do that. Where I'm opposed to is that that's usually where we let our Christianity stop, is by making statements. But if we like all of our school's problems will be solved if we put in God we trust on the hallways. No, of course not. But that's how some people think. They think that by even putting a Bibles in schools that that will solve all of our problems. Guys, there are there, if you want access to the Bible, it's not that hard to get one nowadays, especially in America. You know, you can go to there's churches literally on every single corner. I remember I was telling you how I was recently in Canada. I barely, I don't even know if I saw one church. I'm sure they're there, but they were definitely not as prevalent as they are here in America. And, you know, so, so we can't say that we don't have opportunity for our Christianity to be heard. That's another concept that we'll probably talk about another another episode, but Christians are always going on and on about how we're so persecuted. Uh, guys, we are not persecuted in America as Christians. I hate to burst your bubble, but just because somebody doesn't like your opinion or just because somebody says something bad about Jesus or just because there may seem like Christianity is, is becoming less and less popular, which in my opinion is our own fault, none of those things make us persecuted. Uh, even even if they were to go and make some sort of law about how Christianity is not the official religion of the United States, that we're open to all religions, whatever, that's still not persecution. We still have the freedom of religion in this country. We can still worship however we please without uh, being risk of, 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 uh, of armed guards coming and storming into our churches or our houses. We can still worship and pray. I mean, there, there's Christian radio stations all over. If you want to have opportun opportunity to worship God, I mean, just open up any app and you can open up praise and worship. We're not persecuted. And, and, and to me, that's an offense to those in other countries like China or Afghanistan or Iraq, where there are true persecution against Christians. Again, that's a whole nother topic. Just because you say, in God we trust, and just because you put that in the, in the hallways of the school, that's not going to really do much of anything to put forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. He remember he said he didn't say they know my know me by, by they will know you that you are my disciples if you have a Christian t-shirt on or if you put bumper stickers on your car or if you put a sign or in God we trust on your dollar bill or even if you go and go volunteer at a nonprofit. That is okay, it's good and we should do those things, but what is going to make the most amount of productivity when it comes to knowing and having others know that we're God's disciples is if you have love one towards another. So what does that mean? Well, do you remember the, the parable, the sheep and the goats? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I won't, I won't get into that too much because we already kind of talked about it, but it's truly about those who are in need you find a way to fill it, okay? If somebody's hungry, you give them food. If somebody's thirsty, you give them drink. 
Somebody's naked and needs clothes, you go find it. You are the one, myself included, we, as the body of Christ, we're the ones who are supposed to be doing those things to help other people. You know, our hearts should be the ones breaking when we see children crying at the border when their parents legally or illegally cross the, cross the border. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We're still humans. And it ought to still break your heart when you see children crying that ICE agents came and stole and took their, their parents away. It, even if it was, okay, let's, let's take immigration out of it, okay? It ought to still pain our hearts when we see our next-door neighbors get taken away and their children are crying. Just because their parents made decisions that are contrary to our laws, that doesn't take away, that should not take away our compassion and our empathy and our desire to make a difference in, in, in the lives of those who are hurting. Who's hurting this week? Who who's come, who, who this week have you uh, have you seen who needs just a little bit more compassion than the, what they've been shown and given? You know, I mean, take it take a stroll sometime to go to the hospital and just you know maybe just go knock door to door and maybe with maybe take some friends with you and just be like, hey, we're just here to just to hang out and give, maybe give gifts one, one one day a year. I will tell you. Um, well, I'm going to have my friend Jessica on uh, one of these days, and, and she has an incredible, powerful, heart-wrenching story uh, about how her, her, her four-year-old was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And, and tragically, less than three years later, she lost her uh, to, the, to, to cancer. And it's a tragic, I mean, still just breaks my heart, even just bringing it up now. It's going to be a really difficult podcast to, to put together, but I think it's important to hear her story. But in honor of her daughter, on her daughter's birthday every year for the last two years, we go to the uh, children's floor of the local hospital. And she calls up the hospital before we arrive, like a week or so, maybe a couple of days, I think, because you want to make sure, have a proper total of how many children are there. You know, you got to remember, these are people and families who are going through some of the hardest, darkest times of their lives, right? And so we want to be... It was, a, it was Jessica's idea. You know, she knows just as well as all those families just how difficult those times can be. You know, when you're sitting in a hotel or a hotel, excuse me, hospital room uh, with your sick child, just praying that next time the nurse or doctor comes in that there's some good news so you can get out of there and go on with your lives. But most chances are it's just going to be a harder road. So she knows very full well just how difficult that can be. So it was put in her heart as an honor to her daughter to go and to take gifts to the children uh, that age-appropriate gifts and creative gifts, things that they can do while they're in the hospital. You know, because it can get boring. You can't just sit there and watch TV all day. Like, it's good to have activities, and especially keep the brain and the body and, and everything, you know, engaged. And so, so she gathers and we get gifts and we go and we knock on the doors and we just say, hey, you know, we're some friends, you know, introduce ourselves. And, you know, we tell them just a brief story of her daughter and how, you know, we just want to every day on her birthday once a year come in and just give these gifts uh, and just be a blessing. Something just simple like that. Be creative. Find ways to go out there and just, just be a a. a, a marker in somebody's life. I think that's actually the best way to put it. Where they may not even know your name. They may not even remember your face really well. 
But whatever you did or said that day or that moment of that time, it, it put a mark in their heart. It, it let them know that there are people out there who care about them, even though they may be strangers. That's how we're going to actually make a difference. One thing at a time, one person at a time. You know, again, we can't just put all of our eggs in the ungodly trust basket. Again, that's fine. I mean, if the Louisiana school wants to do that, I personally think that they're causing more harm than good because they're alienating any people who don't believe in God. I think that our, I think that our, I personally think that there are better ways to express our Christianity than just to put some words on a piece of paper and put them in the hallways. But if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But that's not good enough for me. And hopefully it's not good enough for you either. Hopefully you or you agree with me that we got to be proactive here. That if we're going to uh, see this world get better, because we're all tired of of all just the chaos that we're seeing every single day on the news. My wife hates it, you know, when I turn on the news because it's just always something going on. There's always some sort of problem, it seems. So how can we how can we change it? How can we make an effort to see it come to pass? I think the first thing we can do is just to start loving each other as ourselves. Right? I mean, can you imagine that pastor if he would have just thought for a moment if someone were saying those things about him? What if somebody would be like telling him, I wish that pastor were somebody would knock his teeth out, he would die? How would he feel about that? You know, I bet he's not, I bet, he, I bet that hadn't even crossed his mind. You know, I mean, it definitely crossed my mind because the Bible says, whatever you sow, you shall also what? Reap. So when you sow those things in the spirit and in the natural, when you're saying those things, I mean, ah, I'd be careful. You know, I'd be careful what I put out there because I want—I know that my actions have consequences. My words have consequences. That I am responsible. I tell this to my child all the time. You probably do the same thing to your children. You know, you're responsible for your actions and for the things you say and do and and behave. You're responsible. Like that. There's that old, uh, um, you know, that, that example that you probably do with your kids. That you have like a toothpaste, right? And you tell the kid, I want you to take this toothpaste and squeeze it all out. And, of course, they're like, yes, this is, this is exciting. And they so they take the toothpaste and they squeeze all of the insides out so it's all over the place. All right, that was really, really fun, wasn't it? All right, now I want you to put all that toothpaste back in the toothpaste holder. Put it all back in the tube. What does their face look like? Uh, right. You're crazy, Dad. Well, that's what happens. Bible says very plainly that our tongue is sharper than two-edged sword, and every single thing that we say and do and behave and act, we're just like a toothpaste tube coming out, and it's a lot easier to put out than it is to put back in and to take it away, to take it back. So be mindful today. Do not challenge yourself to, to look every single person in the eye and ask them, how would I want to be treated? How If, if, I, if I was them... And if I was, you know, in their shoes, relating with me, how would I want to? How would I want to be treated? How would I want to be respected? How would I want to be engaged with? You know, and 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 how would I want to have a relationship with this person? We do those things. We take we take an understanding that you know what, I'm going to make a conscious effort to be a better human, to be a better person. To, to, to be better today than I was yesterday. I'm going to make that conscious decision. So do that with me this week. I challenge you. I know that seems to be my challenge every week, but guys, uh, the more of us that are doing this on a consistent basis, the better. 
the better we're going to make a difference in this world and see others really see Christians for whom we're supposed to be. We're not, we're not, we, Christians ought not be the villains of this world, but we are. I mean, I, I, the truth hurts, but guys, Christians, especially we're, we're villains right now. And I'm just sick and tired of being the villains. I'm sick and tired of being, you know, the, 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 the I mean, I understand the Bible says that if you're friends of the world, that you're enemy, enemy with God. I'm not saying that we need to be in the like of the world. I think that we're set apart from the world. But we also, because I'm giving you the example of Jesus, Jesus, people literally were cutting out holes in ceilings to hear what he had to say. Remember the story of when he was in the, the, the house teaching a group of people and there was a mass crowd outside and they literally cut a hole in the ceiling to lower people down so they could hear what he had to say? And that, that's the kind of, response that true Christianity gives because the people are hungry for it. They're hungry for real, authentic, genuine Christian love. And that's the kind of love I want to have and I want to share with others. Until next time, make sure you subscribe, guys. Head on the, fill out the reviews. Uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast. Give us five stars or an honest feedback. Whatever you want to do, I'd really appreciate it. So other than that, guys, have a wonderful rest of the week. I'll Talk to you next time. God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.